It's interesting, as Dennis was praying, he said, um, we pray that everything that's said and done in this room will be everlasting. And I heard recently, a, a, you know, a, a talk about that, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but, you know, we, we know that only those things that we do for the Lord will remain. Everything else will be burned up like the chaff, blown away. So, um... That's that's a good word, brother. I received that. Hallelujah. Everybody well? Good. Well, <clears throat> we had a happy Thanksgiving. It was a delightful time. I hope you did too. And Monica took the last member of our family off this morning. I think it I think it was the middle of the night. Three AM. They were up. <laughs> Did this plane leave at 5.30? Oh, that's early. Well, I do want to express my public gratitude to you for taking him <laughs> so that I could get up and be prepared for today. I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> Actually, I was. I was, truth be told. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm sorry, but I, I know that seem, it seems like many of the teachings that have come forth here have been about wisdom, and I know that we're entering into the, the year of wisdom, and so you're going to get yet another teaching on wisdom. And I don't know that it's so much a, a teaching as just a time of sharing as I went through the Word and just tried to glean <clears throat> what the Lord was saying to me and, and imparting to me about wisdom to share with you. And I suspect there will be a lot of that in this in this coming year. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's the the Bible is vast and deep, right? And we'll never know it all. But as far as topics go, <clears throat> it would be hard to exhaust the topic of wisdom. It would be hard to get through it and and think, ah, got it all, can't find no more. <clears throat> it's that would be very difficult. And that was one of the overwhelming things to me in, in going through this uh, preparation was just the volume of what the Word has to say about wisdom. And the patriarchs, um, you know, the, the words that they have to share with us about wisdom, it's just fairly mind-boggling. Uh, but that's what we're going to talk about today, and so we'll jump right into this. <clears throat> um, I've titled this Teaching 2020 Wisdom. You know, we all hear about 2020 vision, and many of us wish we had it. I don't. Um, but even more than 2020 vision, I want to have 2020 wisdom. You know, 2020 vision is perfect sight, right? I would like in the year 2020, at the end of the year, this, you know, about this time a year from now, to really be able to say that I feel that my, my, my vision, my wisdom vision has really, I don't want to say been corrected, but um, yeah, corrected, magnified, strengthened, sharpened, uh, my understanding sharpened, and me as a, as a believer and a, um, a teacher and a, a, a prophetic voice that, that I would just be sharpened by the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> you know... Wisdom, and we'll just start, as I wrote at the very beginning, wisdom is a spirit. And 
you know, just we, we know that spirits, um, you know, they can inhabit us, right? Good spirits can inhabit us. Evil spirits can inhabit us. That's why we have the ministry of deliverance, right? Well, the spirit of wisdom is just that. It's a spirit that can, that, that can inhabit us, live within us. It, it, I believe it does inhabit us. But we have to ask and we have to seek and we have to want and desire to learn of wisdom. So I think that all of us have that seed of the spirit of wisdom within us, but some of us um, magnify that spirit more than others. In Exodus 28.3, this was the first reference I found uh, regarding wisdom. And it says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So <clears throat> this is the Lord um, telling us right at the very beginning that he has filled certain individuals with wisdom to do something for a specific task, and in this case is to make the priestly garments. And then we also, of course, when we continue to read, we find that the Lord fills different craftsmen with his wisdom, you know, how to build uh, the, the temple, um, the tabernacle, all the, the various, you know, accoutrements that go into that. So I want you to remember, first of all, that the spirit of wisdom is a spirit, and, and it, we want it to infill us. We also read here in Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay? Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom by the laying on of hands of Moses. And we all know that Joshua went in and took the land, right? So he had the spirit of wisdom uh, within him for also a specific task. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How many of you want to have the spirit of wisdom when it comes to obtaining the knowledge of the Lord? Amen? The spirit of wisdom, it's almost, I mean, if you think about it, it's almost like a key, okay? Andrea, let's say, let's say for Christmas, I give you seven boxes. And each of these seven boxes has something special and useful and purposeful for you in the days ahead. But I don't give you any keys to open the boxes, and they're all locked, okay? The spirit of wisdom is like me, okay, here's the key, and now you can go unlock each of these boxes. You know, the spirit of wisdom allows us to unlock revelation and insight, um, directives that the Lord has prepared for us before we were even in existence. And we have to have that spirit of wisdom resident within us. You know, I, I, when, so we're talking about the spirit of wisdom as being a spirit and a, a, a being that comes and lives within us. And we're so often, I, I state here, we're so often prone 
to think that wisdom is something we just simply accumulate over time with different experiences we have and and the years of time that we live on this earth and we think that the older we get the wiser we get and the more wisdom that we attain and while this might be true to some extent it is not necessarily so and we read in Job 32 7 and 8 Job says here I said days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding okay there is a spirit in man but it's the inspiration of God Almighty that activates that spirit of wisdom within us The inspiration of the Almighty is what brings wisdom and gives understanding. In verse 7, what we just read, it says that a multitude of years should teach wisdom, but that inside of a man is a spirit dwelling as it would be a a spirit, you know, within our body, kind of like that spirit within a tent. You know, we're spirits in in, in our flesh, right? We're spirit man in a fleshly uh, garment. But unless that man asks for the Lord, Uh, to inspire the spirit within we do not necessarily gain wisdom or understanding as we read in verse 9 Job says great men are not always wise neither do the aged understand judgment okay great men are not always wise how many times in history do we see um, you know great men do very foolish things they, they, they act in a way that just befuddles the mind Fran you know, so great men are not always wise. And we need to understand that, that, that the spirit of wisdom is intertwined with the spirit of God. And unless we allow ourselves and seek after and long for that infilling and that infusion um, of the spirit of wisdom, we may not have it to the extent that we could. Exodus 31.3 and then again, also in 3531, those, those two scriptures say essentially the same thing. Um, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So as we enter into this year, I think it would be good for us to just regularly ask the Lord to bring and fill us with that Spirit of wisdom. Okay? And we can ask it every day. We can't really ask uh, for that too much. So let's jump to um, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're going to read about Moses speaking here to the Israelites in verses 5 through 8. Deuteronomy 4 verses 5 through 8. Moses says, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep, therefore, and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of nations, which shall hear of all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. 
And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as this law which I set before you this day? So statutes and decrees and ordinances, these are simply laws, right? So this is Old Testament, um, the, the, the law, the commandments that the Lord had handed down. And then, of course, judgments are defined, I'm sorry, divine laws and ordinances. Judgments um, bring the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong, and they actually help to create morality. You know, uh, you're either a moral person or you're not moral. If you're not a moral person, you're not being guided or, um, yeah, you're not being guided by any laws. You're, you're basically lawless. You're, you have no moral. So keeping the statutes and the judgments of, of, of God is our wisdom and our understanding in the sight of the nations. So in the sight of the nations, in the sight of the nations, in the sight of others, okay, us keeping statutes and judgments of our God is what is our wisdom and our understanding. Um, <clears throat> I received a text from a friend of mine in Santa Barbara, and he, he sent sent this to me, and I, f I forwarded it to Monica and to um, those in our family. But I'm going to share this with you because it talks about this very thing. He says in this text, he says, Alexis de Tocqueville, author of Democracy in America, argued that faith and politics at the very beginning were closely tied to one another in America. And he, he's quoted here as saying, The Americans combined the notions of Christianity and liberty so intimately in their minds that it is impossible to make them conceive of one without the other. Okay? So you think back when our great nation was founded. This is what was said of our nation. And unfortunately, as John continues in this text, he says, this is no longer true. We're told that religion and politics don't mix. He goes on to say that our country's founders, Benjamin Franklin, Noah Webster, John Adams, and Daniel Webster, came to the conclusion that laws are inadequate to govern people who are not already governed internally those that don't have a moral compass those that don't demonstrate any level of morality can you think of any of those in your daily goings on okay and here's what um Adam said, he says, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So clearly the foundation of this country is not on the Constitution alone. It's much more than that. You know, you read in Romans 13, and he says here, Romans 13 basically says that the role of the state is to punish evil 
and to condone good. This means that the state has to know what the basis is for calling something good or evil. And that's just natural law. Where do we get that? We get it from the Word. We get it from our Bible. And he goes on to say, What do the founding documents of the United States say about the basis of calling something good or evil? The Declaration of Independence states, and I quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. So, you know, we know that we're supposed to pray for our leaders and for our nation. And we really do need to pray for our nation, that our nation will, will somehow miraculously, through the power of God, get back into allowing ourselves to be governed by laws and having that, mor- that mor- morality, that moral compass within us. Because we do live in a society that is depraved. Okay? And this is... Um, <laughs> It's a sobering and eye-opening note that that my friend John sent us. Um, So, that's that. If you have anything to add or comments, feel free to speak forth. If not, that's fine because I have plenty of material. (coughs) So, you'll remember at our fall conference that we had a session here in the youth room one afternoon where various leaders got up and they shared, each of them, different elements of what we now know is the Saints Network Covenant Agreement, which that now is the governing document of the Saints Network. And it was initially presented at at that, that fall conference. In it, there are 10 tenets of our faith. You know, there was a lot of work that went into that the creation of that document, that structural document. There were hours of prayer. There was wisdom uh, from the Lord that was required in laying out that structure and those tenets and the statement of our doctrinal function, which is also found in that covenant agreement. You know, I use that as an example of saying that wisdom is required in leadership, leadership of nations, leadership of people. We don't simply need it. We have to have it. Okay? We have got to have it. When I think of examples of godly wisdom, one of my favorite examples is found in 1 Kings. I'm going to read this, but it's just wonderful. So um, this is King Solomon here. It says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king, and they stood before him. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save the two of us in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. So she laid, she turned over on the kid. Sad. She overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, and she took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. 
But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I bore. The other woman said, Nay, but the living son is mine, the dead son is yours. And this one said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. And so they spoke this way before King Solomon. And the king said to the one, I'm sorry, and the king said, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought the sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give one half to the one, and one half to the other. <laughs> That's one way to solve it, right? If you can't come to an agreement, let's cut it in half, and you can each have part. Then spoke the woman, whose the living child was, unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O oh my lord, give her the living child. In no way slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. So the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. All Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. What a fantastic story. I love that. What you'll notice here is they, because of his wisdom, they feared him. What it means is they had reverence and respect for him, right? And as, as, as the leadership of the network goes out into other lands, it's important that there is this level of um, reverence, not because we want everybody to bow down to us, but we want others to revere the Lord God Almighty and the message that he is bringing through the saints network all around the world. Amen? Solomon displayed this mighty wisdom to the people. And they're all, it's like he's on display, right? They're all seeing this and hearing of it. And they just were like, wow. You know, let's listen to what this guy has to say. Okay? So, praise the Lord for his... Um, stories and his examples to us in the word. Let's read 1 Kings 4, 29 to 34. It says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart. How many of you would like to have largeness of heart? I know I do. Even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and of all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. His fame was in all nations round about. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. Dennis, I don't think even you've spoken that many. <laughs> I lost count. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> His songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar tree that's in Lebanon even unto the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of fowls and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. 
we know that proverbs are wise sayings, right? 3,000 proverbs. That's a lot. He was full of wisdom. <laughs> full of wisdom. And so, so you, you think about, you know, how many times do we reference wise sayings? You know, we, we, I don't want to say that, that we let them lead us or guide us, but certainly we, we do. We seek these wisdom, the Proverbs and the Proverbs, the wisdom of the Proverbs to guide us in our decision making. And, you know, we want to be full of wise sayings, right? We want to say things that other people um, can use to pursue what the Lord's given them. And songs, we know that this house... And many of the houses throughout the network, but especially this house, we have an anointing. Our our worship leaders have an anointing for bringing prophetic song. It's very un. I mean, you know, we sometimes cannot see the forest for the trees. Okay, another wise proverb. <laughs> we can't. You know, we we go in there to service. Worship team gets up there. Everybody that's you know participates on it, and they start singing, and they lead us in prophetic worship. And for us, it's just what we do. Okay, I'm telling you now, if you line ten people up that went to ten different churches and said, "How many of you operate that way with your praise and worship?" Probably none of them would raise their hand. If one of them did, I'd I'd, I'd be interested to know more about them. Okay. You know, Solomon, he wrote, it says, what, a thousand some odd songs. I mean, he was led of the Spirit in, in creating these worship songs. This house is led of the Spirit in creating prophetic worship. And that, I'm telling you, it ushers us into the throne room. Um, I know the Lord loves each of us greatly and I wonder sometimes if he didn't throw this part in there about the trees and the cedar trees and the, <laughs> the animals because you know he was very knowledgeable about all things and nature proclaims the glory of God does it not? seems like I've read that somewhere the trees will clap their hands you know he was the Lord gave him wisdom about all manner of things Spiritual wisdom, um, things that were going on in the earth, you know, I mean, the, probably seasons, the best time to plant, the best time to sow, the best time to harvest. I mean, he was just endowed with unbelievable wisdom. And I just pray that the Lord will grant that to us. Amen? Amen. Solomon, through the wisdom of the Lord, had insights and understandings of all sorts of things, all spiritual principles and things of the earth. And this, again, this diverse wisdom drew others to him, and he did mighty works through God. And likewise, we need that wisdom. We need that understanding and that insight in these end times. Second Chronicles 1.10. Um, you know, we've, we've read this many times. This is Solomon asking the Lord for wisdom. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? We know this prayer. This young King Solomon. He was young. 
he was inexperienced. And he acknowledged that the people of the Lord, it was a, a vast number and a great people. And he, <laughs> he didn't know how to go out. He didn't know how to come in. He did not know how to lead. And I would have to think he was, I would have been terrified. You know, to, to have been um, appointed king by, I mean, look, do you think that King David's shoes were kind of big to fill? Yeah. I mean, he, he grew up in his house, but he still had to step up to the plate. And that was his prayer, that the Lord would give him wisdom to lead the people. And I pray, Father, that you'll give us that same wisdom to lead the people, the people of, of God, the saints, the saints. Think about that. Think about the calling that, that he's given us to lead the saints in the end days. Tammy, if somebody told you 50 years ago, well, you're not 50 yet, 30 years ago, <laughs> you're going to be leading the saints in the end times. You know, I mean, it would have boggled our minds to think about that. Yet that's where we find ourselves. If anybody needs to pray the prayer that Solomon prayed for the wisdom to lead the Lord's people, it's, it's this house. It's each of us. It's each of you. Each of you, Monica, that goes out in ministry. Each of you that travels and that teaches and that <laughs> preaches and that prophesies. Everybody on the, on the prophetic uh, teams. I mean, we have to have that wisdom. And it's, you know, I think that oftentimes we think about, you know, we need wisdom so we know how to do things or how, we, how to act in certain situations. We've got to quit thinking. You've got to get out of ourselves. We need wisdom to lead others. Solomon needed wisdom to lead others. Okay? A great people. We need wisdom to lead others. Another great people. Amen? Amen. So I looked up the definition of wisdom, and I put it down in here, but I'm going to just share a few things that kind of leapt off the page to me. You know, I mean, we, we have a general understanding of what wisdom is, but it, wisdom, it's, it's wisdom and understanding that can be applied. Uh, it, it's a skill that you need in war. Wisdom is a, is a skill that, that aids in administration, administrative duties. Wisdom is, is um, the ability to be shrewd in dealing with others. And, you know, when you think about, oh, that Pastor Ron, he's a shrewd actor. You know, it doesn't really, you know, it's not a very good connotation. The bottom line is shrewdness means you know how to be wise in your dealings with man, okay? You need to know how to be wise in your dealings with man. Why? Because guess what? <laughs> we deal with man, okay? We need to know from the Lord's perspective how to deal with man in certain situations, we need to know, just like Solomon asked, I don't know how to go out, I don't know how to come in. Okay? That's dealing with man. We need that wisdom. Prudence in religious affairs. You know, I'm not a fan of the word religion. Okay? People say, oh, y'all are so religious. No, we're very spiritual. Okay? But in the world's view, we need wisdom to know how to conduct our religious affairs. And we need wisdom in ethical and religious 
situations. Amen. In these end times, we need wisdom in war. And we know in Ephesians 6.12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle, we battle, we fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We are fighting rulers that are the leaders of the darkness of this world. Think about that. What is darkness of this world? You know, whatever that is that pops up in your mind. You know, there's a spiritual influence there. There's a spiritual leader that's, that's uh, set up to, you know, oversee creating divorce in America, to oversee the abomination of the land, the abortion. There's a spirit, there's a spiritual influence, Okay. Do you not think that we need wisdom to know how to battle that? We're battling against these principalities, these powers, these rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We need wisdom to know how to take the land, just like Joshua did, right? We read in Deuteronomy 34.9, Joshua, the son of Nun, he was full of the spirit of wisdom. Moses had laid hands on him. And the children listened to him, right? He was the one. Remember, he and Caleb went up and spied out the land, and they said, we can take this. And everybody else said, no, no, there's giants. You know, we can't do it, right? He had the wisdom of the Lord, and we need that wisdom. <laughs> the book of Acts, Acts 6, 2 through 4, talks about wisdom in administration. You know, that's something, you know, again, at the... At the, at the um, Fall Conference, these tenets of faith. I mean, that's that. I don't want to say it's our first stab at it, but it's it's a it's it's a it's like the beginning. Not the beginning's the right word. It's an effort towards creating some more formal structure around our network. Fair to say. We need wisdom to know how to administer the work the Lord has given us, right? Acts 6, 2, 6, 2 through 4. And the 12 disciples called a multitude of the disciples to him, and they said, look, there is no reason why we should leave the word of God and go serve tables. Okay? So, brothers, look out amongst you and find seven men that are honest and full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom that we may appoint or set over this business, there were, there were widows that weren't being cared for. You know, there people were complaining. Oh, you know, you're you're spending too much time praying, Rick. Why aren't you helping take care of the widows? Okay, well, guess what? Your job is not to take care of the widows. You can love them, you can pray for them, but your job is to pray and to intercede. You know, we don't need to unplug you from your purpose and put you in this task that really should be delegated to somebody that has the the gift of helps, right? We need that wisdom for administration. And so the 12 said, let's, let's find seven people to appoint over that, and we're going to continue to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Praise the Lord for that. What if, what if they had not had that wisdom? <laughs> Things might be different now. So we need the wisdom of the Lord to be shrewd in dealing with men, 
We need the wisdom of the Lord to show us how to conduct our religious affairs in a prudent manner. And we need wisdom, ethically and religiously. So let's turn to 2 Chronicles 9, and let's read verses 5 to 8. This is uh, Queen Sheba talking to King Solomon. She says to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I didn't believe their words until I came and had seen it with my own eyes. And behold, the half of thy greatness, the half of thy wisdom was not told unto me. For you exceed the fame that I have heard. Happy are thy men. Happy are thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God because thy God loveth Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he king over them to do judgment and justice. What stood out to me in this is would you would you is it fair to say that our walk is a it, we know it's a blessed one okay but is it hard is it a hard one is it challenging is it fraught with challenges fraught with challenges it is isn't it it's a it's a hard it's a hard job I mean it's you know you're pulled and stretched and pushed and you know it's 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 tough does it help when the people around you that are going through these hardships are happy or is it okay if they're just you know blah 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 it helps when they're happy and one of the things that the queen of sheba points out is she's she says that happy she says it twice Happy are thy men, and happy are thy servants, which stand continually before thee. So when you're acting and conducting your business in wisdom, um, generally the people around you are going to be happy. And they're going to be supportive, and they're going to be a blessing to be part of your team. I think that's important. Why are they why do you think the people are happy? I think it's because they know they're being led by somebody who's righteous and seeking the wisdom and will of the Lord and that what they're doing is pleasing to the Lord. Right? When we you know as as, as children when we when we do what our parents say for us to do they're happy with us and and so as a result we're happy. I mean our hearts are delighted and it makes us want to do what? Take the trash out, clean the garage, mow the yard. You know because you know, you're, you're, you're acting out of obedience that the Lord has instructed, and that brings fulfillment and joy and peace and happiness. It brings a lot. All right, Ezra 7.25, And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach you them that know them not. So again, God's wisdom in man allows man to appoint others that will lead and judge rightly. We need this wisdom to be able to delegate and to build as the Lord instructs. 
Job 12, I want to read verses 12 and 13 and then 25. We talked earlier about um, wisdom being gained from years and experiences. And I said that, and we saw that Job said that that's not always the case. It is, though, frequently the case. It says here, with the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days, understanding. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. And in verse 25, in the absence of wisdom, it says they grope in the dark without light, and he makes them to stagger like drunken men. So if you don't have the wisdom of the Lord, you're going to be groping in the dark without a light and staggering like a drunk man. You know, often wisdom will be found in the ancients, in the elders, and in them that have lived long on the earth. And I was just reminded of this story about our sister Denise when we were we had a ministry team in France, and they kept calling her the ancient one, <laughs> right? Isn't that what they, they kept calling her, the ancient one? And um, <laughs> that, that just means an elder, right? Oh, you ancient one. Wisdom, strength, so, so think about this. Wisdom, strength, counsel, understanding, illumination, discernment, and judgment. Do you think we need these things in building the network and in going out and in coming in? You know, Job rhetorically asks, where does wisdom come from? In Job 28, we'll read verses 12 through 24 and verse 28. Job asks, but where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man knows not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth says, it's not in me, and the sea says, it's not with me. It can't be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed out for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx, or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it. And the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls. For the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. So where then does it come from, and where is the place of understanding, seeing that it's hid from the eyes of all the living and kept close from the fowls of the air? Destruction and death say, we've heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understands the way thereof and knows the place thereof. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heaven. And in verse 28, it says, And unto the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Amen? The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. Fear, reverence, not fear like I'm afraid of you, friend, I'm going to run the other way. Fear as in I reverence you. I mean, I want to hear what you have to say, right? So I've read some passages here, and I, in my mind, I kind of categorize these as wisdom within, you know, internally, wisdom without, proclamation speaking forth, wisdom uh, relationally. And these are just some passages I'll, I'll quickly run through. Psalm 49, 3. Uh, the second half, it says, And thy meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. This is, again, wisdom within. Behold, in Psalm 51, 6, Behold, thou desires truth 
in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you'll make me to know wisdom. Psalm 90:12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Number our days. That's an interesting saying. I mean, I would suspect that most of us don't go to bed at night and think, well, there's one more down. You know, don't know how many more I have, but I have one fewer, right? But when it says that we're supposed to number our days, we're supposed to not take each day for granted. We're supposed to understand that that's one of our numbers. God knows how many number of days are allotted to you, Andrea. Okay? He knows. You don't know. But each one he gives you, we have to, you know, you have to make the most of it. Teach us to number our days, Lord. And then Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, s wisdom without. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. That's Psalm 37.30. Psalm 49.3, my mouth shall speak of wisdom. Psalm 111.10, a good understanding have they that do his commandments. Um, I'm going to skip down here to... Um, Proverbs 3, and I'm going to read this passage, and I want us to look at when we conduct our selves and our affairs with wisdom from the Lord, you know, we don't do it to get, but there are some byproducts that come from it, and we'll talk about that. Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 13, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things that you can desire cannot be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. Of course, her here is wisdom. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge of the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And if you do this, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Thou shalt walk safely in thy way. Thy foot shall not stumble. When you lie down, you won't be afraid. Yes, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes, because it will. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. When I read this, I was jotting a few things down. What are the blessings of wisdom? Happiness, <clears throat> riches, and there are riches beyond financial. Long life, honor, pleasantness, peace, life, understanding, knowledge, discretion, grace, safety, stability, freedom from fear, sweet sleep, and confidence. You know, if I asked anybody in this room, hey, what do you think about all these things? Every one of us would raise our hand and say, I'll take all of them, right? These are the byproducts of wisdom. You know, when we ask the Lord to impart to us his wisdom, 
These are the things that will be swirling on and going on around you. Hallelujah. I would like all that to be going on around me. <clears throat> Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So humility and operating out of a humble heart is important. Proverbs 11 verse 12 says, He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace, doesn't say anything, acts in a way that is, uh, he has discretion in what he says. So when we think about wisdom as we go into this year 2020, how, what should be our posture towards wisdom? What are we to do with wisdom? In your handout, bottom of page 5 and top of page 6, it tells us that we should search for it. We should get it. It tells us it is the principal thing and to get it. Principal being the first in rank of order. It's the first thing you need to search for. We need to lift it up, extol it, exalt it, esteem it highly, and prize it. We need to allow ourselves to be taught by it. We need to be attentive unto it and pay attention to it and listen. We need to look upon wisdom as one of our kin, as a family member, right? Jesus is our elder brother. We know that. Wisdom is also one of our kin folk, right? And then we need to seek to understand it. There's a lot of things in the word that we read and we don't understand. And if something happens with wisdom for you and you don't understand it, Ask the Lord to open his revelation and to, and to help you gain that understanding. Um, I found in my study that a few of the books of the Bible that were just fountains full of wisdom are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs I found were mainly instructional. Ecclesiastes uh, are full of of uh, wisdom that are more relational and experiential in nature. Job shares a lot about wisdom, and his, of course, is experiential. Psalms is wonderful in terms of uh, wisdom from a prayerful standpoint. And Daniel is a great example of wisdom in action. So we know, again, Jesus is our elder brother. We walk with him. We learn of him and from him. And our wisdom will be increased as we walk with Jesus. The fullness of the spirit of wisdom within us will be expanded. Isaiah prophesied of the wisdom of Jesus in Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. It says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither shall he reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. The righteous shall be the girdle of his loins. I'm sorry, righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle 
of his reigns. Wow. I told you at the very beginning that wisdom is a spirit, right? <clears throat> it's interesting you look through here. There's the spirit of wisdom and understanding, but there's also the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge. You know, these are all spirits that we can ask the Lord to fill us with and to allow to indwell us. And Luke 2:40 tells us that Jesus, the child, as he grew, he waxed strong in the spirit and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We live in a time where our society is dominated by the wisdom of man. And we know that the wisdom of man is what? Foolishness. It's almost as if there is no room in our society for godly wisdom. And the Apostle Paul reminds the Romans what the scriptures say about such times, and we would be, it'd be good for us to be reminded also of this. Romans 3, 10 through 17. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Ugh. That's scary. But I have to say that much of our society, that, that's a descriptive of much of our society. <clears throat> but, you know, then we have Isaiah speaking prophetically in Isaiah 29, 14, praise the Lord. He says, therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even marvelous, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is a treasure. That's Isaiah 33.6. There is um, so much that the Lord will be revealing to us in the days ahead regarding wisdom. I'm going to stop here. Um, actually, I'm going to read one more and then we'll stop. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. But the Lord said, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, and let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, I just thank you for this time that we've had to read from your word and to look into um, what your word says about wisdom. Again, Father, it's just, um, 
the spirit of wisdom is one of those things I think that we can seek to learn every day and just never, never get to comprehend the fullness, the breadth of wisdom. But I pray, Lord, that as we have entered into the last 31 days of this decade, and as we enter into a new decade, 2020, that you'll give us perfect, clear vision and wisdom for the days ahead. We don't want man's wisdom, Father. We only want your wisdom. We pray that you would fill each and every one of us with the spirit of wisdom. We know, Father, that that seed of the spirit of wisdom already resides in us, Lord, but please grow it and expand it and make wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, um, ever abundant in our, in our lives. Father, we seek only to please you and to do those things that you tell us to do. Just like Jesus said, I do those things that the Father tells me. Just continue to open up unto us those things you want us to do in the days ahead. And give us wisdom to go forth in a manner pleasing to you. Father, we love you. We glorify you. We ask that you be with us this day. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen.